Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Today's Issues. That's the name of this radio program here on AFR, American Family Radio. We appreciate you listen, listening. My name is Tim Wildman, and today is Tuesday, February the 28th, so last day of the month of February. Joining me in studio is Ed Battagliano. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. And My understanding is next year will be a leap year because that's when you have yes. the additional day, yes. as I learned yesterday. You've been studying up, yes, haven't I did. you, Ed? I looked it up. I yeah. just said, man, have I been this wrong all my life? Apparently, I was. <laughs> Uh, Chris Woodward. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. We're in stu- we're in studio here in our home offices here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and our good buddy uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard's in Kansas City, Kansas, and he's on the phone. He's on the line with us. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Tim. How you doing today? Doing well. Has any any sign of of spring on the horizon there in Kansas City? Well, it is it is sunny this morning, Tim. No clouds in the sky. Going to be 61. That seems pretty good to me for Amen, the end of brother. February. Absolutely. I know, um, <clears throat> I know that uh, daffodils come out. <laughs> and, and this is way I judge spring, right? Yes. It's not the stupid groundhog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I don't know if the groundhog's stupid or not. I shouldn't say that. That's unfair. Some groundhogs Maybe, are stupid, but right, not all of them. Not all of them. Um, but when the when the daffodils come out, they're the first ones, right? Right, and then the Bradford pears bloom, right? Right. This is in, I guess, most parts of the country. I don't know. I don't know. Do they have Bradford pears in Kansas? We got them. We got them. Yeah. Okay. The the white tree. Yeah. Right. It smells like death. Yeah. <laughs> they really do smell I, bad. When I get to glory, I'm going to ask God what a Bradford pear tree smelled like before the fall of man. That's Chris. That's one of my th- top three questions for God. Uh, that's wow. We think alike here. Can yes. I add one third thing that comes out Please. this time of year? Yeah, crane flies. Hmm. The, the, you, you guys all have those that are just everywhere on our yeah, what, porch. What are, what are they? Those kind of. Is there they, another they, name they, for them? They look like big mosquitoes, but they're oh, not yeah, mosquitoes. Yeah. And they're just everywhere. I thought that was, mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen them. I thought they were mosquitoes. They're not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Cold weather's over completely. When I have the um, the frog convention on my patio, <laughs> <laughs> the, that, the frog convention. Yeah, because they're there for the summer. Yeah, huh? yeah they're, they're for the duration. <laughs> yeah, until it starts to cool again. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope we hope you're having a nice day, and we wish you good weather wherever you may be living. Uh, Dr. Frank Turek will be along with us in a few minutes. And then at the bottom of the hour, John Stenberger, Stenberger will be with us. He's president and general counsel of Florida Family Policy Council. Uh, John's visiting with us up from Orlando. So we look forward to talking to him. And then Peter Rosenberger, uh, host of Hope for the Caretaker, will be with us during the 11 o'clock hour when uh, Steve Paisley Jordahl will join us Uh <laughs> All right. Good morning, uh, everyone. And Chris, what's your lead story? Well, uh, it's continuing coverage of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bring this up because Dr. Marty McCary, a well-known physician from Johns Hopkins, you've seen him on Fox. He's also on Newsmax. He's appeared uh, from time to time on AFR aired programs, such as Washington Watch with Tony Perkins. 
And Dr. McCary, I'll share the link here in a sec, but he's written an op-ed that, that the New York Post picked up, and the headline is this, 10 Myths Told by COVID Experts and Now Debunked. There's a number of things here. Some of them are things that we've talked about for three years now and got kicked off various uh, platforms for. Uh, misinformation number one, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. Dr. McCary says a Lancet study looked at 65 major study, studies in 19 countries on natural immunity and researchers there concluded that natural immunity was at least as effective as the primary COVID vaccine series. We can stop mm-hmm. there. Are you glad to see somebody say mm-hmm. that this is actually true? Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna post a, this story. Do we have it up already, Brent? On our Today's Issues Facebook page, you need to get this, folks. Uh, Today's Issues Facebook page. It's a story. Uh, the author, again, is who? Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins. And he lists the top 10 uh, myths uh, around COVID mm-hmm. that were pushed by the uh, medical establishment in this country and a lot of the politicians. And uh, as it now we've got some distance between COVID mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and how we dealt with it as a country. Correct. And he's saying that well, number one myth, they that they, the medical establishment, would not, um, how, how would you say they, they, they treated natural immunity? They wouldn't talk about it. Oh, they just dismissed denied. It. They just dismissed it. They just denied that it's a, basically that it's a thing when it comes to COVID. I, I, listen, I can understand if in your head you think the vaccines are the only hope for humanity, you want everyone taking the vaccines initially, I'm talking about the first month or two, of the COVID pandemic, then I can I can understand why you're, you're in your mind you're going. Well, we don't need to push for natural immunity because that means people won't get the vaccine and they're going to die. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing: if you're a scientist, if you're a medical professional, you can't do that. You you have got to tell the truth about things like natural immunity. And if if the science says Natural immunity is a real thing, and by a real thing, I mean people uh, who are around the virus, get the virus, fight off the virus. They develop a natural immunity that is very effective in protecting them going forward. You've got to say that, and as far as I can tell, the medical establishment ignored natural immunity. Fauci, Mm -hmm. at the beginning, did the same thing, and that's a travesty, and I'm glad it's been debunked. Right. Why do you think? Community, why do you think natural immunity was was not discussed or dismissed? You uh, know, Ed made a good point. In the first two or three months, right, everybody was guessing, right? If you if you go back to March of 2020, this whole thing happened so fast, and everybody was scrambling, and we all wanted to, we all wanted to do our part, okay? But now we know the truth. Now, three years later, we know that. Uh, uh, a big part of the medical establishment just plain covered up the truth. Let's face it. If natural immunity works, then you're going to lose a lot of money because you've spent so many. You, you've got so many billions of dollars invested in this new vaccine thing, you know, by by uh, big pharma and all that. So they wanted to suppress the truth. But uh, now at last it's coming out. And uh, Chris, as you said. This is stuff we've been talking about here for three years. Oh, yeah. Like, um, this is the stuff that, like, people quit going to family dinners over. 
mm-hmm. um, that you know you labeled your aunt crazy, all this stuff that she or even maybe well, even I, an uncle or somebody. Would I, we we experienced this in our family, uh, not in an immediate family, but distant family member, and uh, just as conservative as we are. But when the, when the vaccine shots came out, they said, uh, "Well, uh, you getting the vaccine shot." This wasn't me. This was one family member to another. I wasn't involved in the discussion, and uh, and the the one individual said, "No, not not convinced. That's the thing to do yet." And the person responded, "So you think you know better than the experts? Hmm. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. So again, this wasn't a battle of liberals versus conservatives necessarily. This was people because you had liberals who hmm. were saying, I, "I don't know about an experimental shot. Right. You know, I don't know about that." But anyway, it was uh, to your point, uh, Chris. It was dividing families. Okay, that's one myth. I want to bring Frank Turk into the discussion because he's not a myth. He's a, 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 he's a legend. He's he a legend. The man, the, the myth and the legend. Dr. Frank Turk, you there, Frank? Speaking of myths, here I am. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Frank, we're going through this list, which mm-hmm. I sent you earlier. Uh, yeah. Number one was uh, that uh, – what, what, say it number one again, Chris, then we'll get Frank to comment. Yeah, this is the way Marty McCary words it. Misinformation number one, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. Yeah, that's a myth because natural immunity – he says right in the article, since the Athenian plague of 430 B.C., it has been observed that those who recovered after infection were protected against severe, uh, severe disease if reinfected. So we've known this for 2,500 years, <laughs> and suddenly, in 2020, we decided, no, we don't know that anymore. I mean, how does well, that well, happen? How, how, do you, how do you guys deal with this argument, Frank, the, those who would say, well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, but you got to get it to get natural immunity, and, and you might it, not it, it could be lethal. Yeah. Well, I I, I think uh, maybe, uh, Ed, you said this before, early on, people really weren't sure what was going on. So I get why people wanted to, to, you know, get the vaccine immediately. But this is just another example. When you've got a top 10 list of myths about a vaccine, this is just another example of the truth that science doesn't say anything scientists do. Well, and scientists say things and quite frequently they have an agenda. And the agenda is the same agenda the rest of us have uh, that sometimes causes us to actually not tell the truth. And that agenda is we either have a we're either trying to get sex, money or power. One of those three things. Well, and and the vaccine. Remember, the vaccine was not ready. But we're, we're the, the time we're talking about, Frank, that you're mentioning where we nobody really knew we were guessing. Oh yeah, that wasn't ready till November. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. that's we're talking about during the first two, three, even four months, people yeah. weren't quite sure. But by the time yeah. the vaccine rolled around, remember we were talking about the fact that uh, on this show and many other people were talking about the fact that the people who are mostly in danger from the virus are people with these comorbidities. That's right. Over the age of 60 or 65. Right. You know, those are the most endangered. Those are the mo- people who are the most threatened by the asthma, the, the, overweight, yes. diabetes. The, yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Number two, uh, we're going to have to move through these. Go ahead. Sure. What's number two? Number two is something we've talked about again a lot. Uh, masks prevent COVID transmission. They right. don't. 
Okay, move on. Yes, yeah, yeah, move on. Yeah. Leg of uh, all in favor with Frank's statement, <laughs> raise your hand. Right, yeah. Okay. Aye. All right. Three. Number three, school closures reduce COVID transmission. They don't. They don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. McCary says the CDC ignored the European experience of keeping schools open, most without mask mandates. Transmission rates were no different, evidenced by studies conducted in Spain and Sweden. So schools should not have been closed. Right. And it harmed kids, set them back a year or two, all kinds of un, not unexpected consequences. What we're going through, folks, is a list uh, of um, uh, um, steps we took in, in the U.S. And, and that were, in retrospect, wrong in response to, uh, or at least very debatable, I'll say, in, at least in, with respect to the COVID response. You're reading. Who is the author again of this? Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins University. Okay, this that's, is in the New York Post, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's a. This isn't a. That isn't a. Dr. Phil. Okay, <laughs> right there. You gonna do it? <laughs> that's a. That's a, a well-respected school. Yes. John Hopkins mm-hmm. in medicine. Yeah. Right, you don't what's just in, walk what, in what, there. All right. We, we, uh, Frank's uh, made a verdict on the last two. Will that Ray weigh in on that? Go, go ahead. What's gotcha. the next one? All right. A misinformation number four. This is how he words it. Myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection. He goes on to say public health officials downplayed concerns about vaccine-induced myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle. They cited poorly designed studies that undercaptured complication rates, and a flurry of well-designed studies said the opposite. Right. Okay, and the very next sentence says, we now know that myocarditis is 6 to 28 times more common after the COVID vaccine than after the infection among 16 to 24-year-old males. Did you get that, guys? That's incredible. (laughs) Not just more likely, but 6 to 28 times more likely. And, Ray, everybody knew, even back then, that you were far less likely to die from the COVID vaccine or die from COVID if you're a young person than virtually any other disease. And yet now these young people have taken this thing, have heart problems. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, again, this is statistically provable. We're not just, we're not just giving an opinion here basing this on this article by this John Hopkins. Uh, And I'll say one other quick thing and we'll go get to number five. I think the evidence is only going to grow. This isn't this isn't a blip. The evidence for all these kinds of myths that we're talking about, that evidence is only going to grow as time goes on and we move away from the the mania, you know, the hysteria of COVID um, as it moves further in the in the distance. We're going to get more information proving these. And again, one more anecdote, and I mentioned this several times on this program over the last year or so. Uh, this was so serious an issue, this myocarditis. Inflammation of the heart, especially a young, uh, among young people, and sp- more specifically young males, which you cited the statistic there, that uh, uh, in France and Germany and maybe other countries in Europe, they suspended the uh, forced vaccination of uh, forced COVID vaccination shots for men, male und- males under 30. Uh, because of this issue. Go ahead. What's the next thing? All right. Uh, young people benefit from a vaccine booster. They don't. <laughs> uh, right. They get myo- myocarditis. That's 
Yeah. <laughs> Why would we? They don't need that? it. They don't need that's, it because yeah, they, that's right. yeah, they don't need it. Yeah, McCary says boosters reduced hospitalizations in older high-risk Americans, but the evidence was never there uh, that they lowered COVID mortality in young, healthy people. Um, Next. Number six, vaccine mandates increased vaccination rates. All right, Frank, and then Ray can take the next one. Well, uh, I don't care if it increases vaccination rates. It says it doesn't. But I wouldn't want vaccination rates to increase given the deadliness and the side effects of this vaccine. So number six is irrelevant, I think. What about seven? What do you got oh, there, Ray? Seven? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Give us seven, then Ray will give the verdict. COVID <laughs> originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory. Eh, wrong. <laughs> now there's you guys only... are getting good, man. Yeah. You're like enjoying this. Right. Well, now there's only one question. We've all basic, basically, even the government is starting to admit. Right. Yes, it came from the Wuhan lab. Now the only real question is: was it uh, an accidental leak or was it done on purpose? That's that's all but, that's left to talk about. Yes, but you remember people who suggested. That this came from the Wuhan lab and it, it was it was uh, either leaked intentionally or or accidentally were called uh, that was misinformation mm-hmm. and yep. you were you were you were, you were uh, banned you got in trouble yeah uh, hey listen I I have since that theory of the virus originating uh, in a wet market I've stayed away from bats this whole time <laughs> okay I mean I've been deprived. <laughs> Of my Good bat fellowship. I haven't even watched Batman movies. <laughs> That's how much I believed in what the CDC right. was saying. You really Fouch. been let down. Yes. It, Ed has gone batty. Hey, <laughs> yes. there's, there's something in this we can't let go. I need your opinion on this because when I read this, I couldn't believe it. It talks about these virologists who were suggesting that it did come out of the lab. And then here's what it says here in the article. According to documents obtained by Brett Baer of Fox News, these virologists told... Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins, another doctor who was really Fauci's boss, Mm -hmm. that the virus may have been manipulated and originated in the lab, but then suddenly changed their tune in public comments days after the meeting with the NIH officials. Here's Here's the line I want clarification on. The virologists, these were the people who were saying that it did come out of a lab, were later awarded nearly $9 million from Fauci's agency. And then it, it's, it ends. It doesn't explain how that happened. Did these people get paid off? With you mean, $9 you, mean you mean they, you mean they, they're, they're, the, they're the ones who said it did not come out of a lab? They originally said it did, and then this article oh. says then they were given oh. nine million dollars and they went away. They were bribed. They, they, the virologists yeah. changed their tune. Yeah. It, no, it does not look good, and and that's why we've been saying all along that what's going to wind up happening if all these myths uh, become locked into the public mind as being myths mm-hmm. all these things they were told were uh misinformation was misinformation yeah. turns out to be true the uh, public health officials in this country the medical establishment are going to take a huge hit when it comes to public confidence credibility and uh, their credibility and uh uh what you're saying uh frank about $9 million from Fauci's agency going to these virologists, and then they suddenly change their tune, that's not going to look good. That information, if there's a money trail to, to these people in the public mind, they're going to lose confidence even more. In the and sex, money, and power. There it is again. Sex, and you, money, and, and power. And you remember what happened uh, when Elon Musk bought Twitter and the Twitter files were released, and 
basically what he was doing was uncovering their response to COVID, Twitter, that is. Mm-hmm. And this was representative of big social media like Facebook right. and others. And the Twitter the Twitter uh, officials at the time, who uh, Elon Musk has since fired, most all of them, came out and said, well, we just went with whatever the CDC said. Yeah. And we deferred to them completely. And so if they said it was misinformation or they didn't support a claim of another top uh, world-renowned doctor, we just we said he, even that person was dis, uh, right. disseminating disinformation. Remember that? And yeah. we blocked them. So, again, it wasn't necessarily just that we, in retrospect, we look and we go, okay, we're Monday morning quarterbacking the uh, national response to COVID and the medical establishment and politicians got it wrong on many levels now that we see the evidence. Uh, but remember, we were uh, the, those who questioned the medical establishment or the vaccine shots were shamed, were publicly flogged. Right. You know, as people who want to, you know, anyway. But, Tim, but Tim, we knew this was political early on. You remember during the George Floyd riots that uh, medical people came out? I think even the CDC came out and said, well, it's okay to protest, right? It's okay <laughs> yeah, to protest. They did. They did. You remember that? Gather, gather right. by the millions in yeah. the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> if it's for the right cause, it, That's doesn't, right. it doesn't spread. To, yeah, that was a mockery of their own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, uh, Chris. What, what, give us the last. Uh, we got. We got to get through these last. Yeah, that that right. that, uh, that Frank buzz this. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, number eight on the list is uh, it was important to get the second vaccine dose three or four weeks after the first dose. Can you follow the money? Let's just move on. You know okay. what that's about. Gotcha. It's all about money and yep. power. And that's sex. what they want. You said sex, money, and rock and roll, <laughs> did you? Yeah, well. Yeah. Or something like that. Sex, Come on. money, and rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll, yeah. You, that's what you said. Go ahead. What, I want to make sure we get number 10 in we'll here. We'll get number 9 in first. Okay, well, number 9 says data on the vaccine is crystal clear. It wasn't. Move okay. on. And number 10 is one in five people get long COVID. Um, McCary wrote that the CDC claims 20% of COVID infections can result in long COVID, but a study in the U.K., found that only 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, well, th- go ahead. I, I, I think long COVID is a thing because Biden still has long COVID. <laughs> oh, man. He keeps, he keeps oh, talking man. about how, how the, the pandemic's not over, and it was over like two and a half years ago. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday he said, I, I may be white, but I'm not stupid. Yeah, <laughs> huh? he did. He came up with that brilliant quote yesterday. Huh? Well, did. and then I had some people... Uh, I read on Twitter, they said, fact check, fact check. You're <laughs> you mean both, that statement? Yes. You're both white and stupid. <laughs> but now, which I will say, I don't I don't think you ought to be calling the president of the United right, States stupid. Right, right, I think it's disrespectful. I don't think but you it call was him fun. white. Mm-hmm. But it was. Honestly. <laughs> well, that, talking about. That's, uh, that's, you should be ashamed of that, too. Right. Well, he was raised. He was raised by in black Jamaicans, church. Jamaicans, right. By, by Hispanics. And by uh, Polish people. That's uh, uh, all in the last six months, he's Yes. Hey, hey, if, if anyone doesn't like what we're saying, we just have long COVID. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, Frank, what's your website? What's coming up this weekend? Crossexamine.org. We're going to have the great Dr. Michael Brown on to talk about why so many people are leaving the faith. So that's going to be uh, 9 a.m. Eastern or 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern here on the American Family Radio Network, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want to access any of Frank's podcast, we have them at, at least his shows he does here on AFR. We have them 
That's I, misinformation. No, you do have it. That's true. That's actually true. And, and it, folks, I I uh, encourage you to to hug a bat today. <laughs> Boy, you got you got the stand up going on, Ed. Uh-huh. Bada boom. Uh, all right. Uh, Go to AFR.net, AFR.net. Look for the show Cross-Examined. And Frank has a lot of excellent information and interviews there. Cross-Examined or go to crossexamined.org. Thanks, Frank. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. God bless. See you. All right. We'll be back uh, momentarily with more of today's issues. Stay with us. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. From Royersford, Pennsylvania, comes word of a big problem at Chick-fil-A, the official chicken of our Lord. Seems that teenage patrons have been acting like the devil. The problem started when parents began dropping off their kids at Chick-fil-A on weekends, in effect becoming unpaid babysitters. Ever since, rowdy teens have been disrespecting employees and vandalizing the restaurant. Finally, the franchise owner said enough, announcing that children under the age of 16 would no longer be allowed to eat inside the restaurant. The kids can still order food, but they've got to eat their waffle fries at home. Chick-fil-A says they're family-friendly, and they want to ensure all of their diners are comfortable and safe. They went out of their way to assure parents they were not to blame, but that's exactly who's to blame. Parents need to start teaching their kids how to behave in public. It's a chicken joint, not a barn, America. I'm Todd Starnes. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. All right, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. So the uh, story that we were uh, basing our our mockery off of last half hour uh, came from the New York Post, Mm -hmm. and we posted it on our Today's Issues Facebook page, a link to that, so you can have that story there. Uh, But in all seriousness, it was a doctor from John Hopkins University. Correct me if I'm wrong. What's his name again? Marty McCary. And he went down the top ten, what did he call them? Uh, myths. Yes, myths. What? Read the whole name of the, okay. the article. The headline was 10 Myths Today Told by COVID Experts and Now Debunked. Okay. So if you want that, go to our Facebook page, and we posted there for today's issues. And uh, I still, we all still see, you know, it's, it's probably 1% or less, but we all still see the poor. Our poor fellow Americans out there in the wide open wearing their mask. So I went to a baseball game on Sunday at a college, and the park the the, the you know the parking attendant mm-hmm. let me in. You know she had on her face mask, and out in the wide open, the odd thing was that she had her face mask pulled down below her nose. <laughs> so I was going. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was point? going. Like, what's huh? the point? What's the point? What's the point? Yeah, I guess for face mask, Ray. Some people like it's like putting on socks now. It's just become a you know. I, I say I'm, I'm going to guess that's zero point five percent of our fellow Americans, but some people are addicted you know, to just, their face mask. I was mask just thinking now. about that, Tim. In fact, before the program, thinking about it, that yeah, I go out and around and and I see a few people wearing face masks. And my thought now is, hey, that's cool. That's fine. If you need to wear one right. or want to wear one, if there's no mandate, and if it if it doesn't impinge on me, right. I don't mind sitting in a plane next to somebody wearing a face mask or I don't mind shopping sure. in a store. Look, there are people with some health issues where they need to wear a face mask or maybe For other, they haven't read the article maybe. yet and they're misinformed. Yeah. It's okay as long as they're not telling the rest of us, right, we have got to put on a right. mask too. Right, right, right. That's what I told her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we had about a five-minute conversation there. The people were honking behind us, but I felt the need to yes. tell her that. To uh, share with her. As long as you don't make me wear one below right. below my nose. But there. bless your heart, if you want to wear <laughs> out in the wide open, Out heart. in the wide open air. Yes. You know, uh, but anyway, uh you're listening to the radio program Today's Issues on American Family Radio. If you want to send us an email, it's comments at AFR.net. Comments at AFR.net is our email address. Uh, Tim, Ed, Chris, and Ray. And uh, we have a guest in studio now, John Stenberger. John is president and general counsel for the Florida Family Policy Council, and uh, he lives in the Orlando area and is our guest here in Tupelo today. Good morning, brother John. Yeah, you got you got John's. Is it working good? Okay, his microphone. Uh, so uh, you're native Floridian. I am born in Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. Did you uh, surf? 1962. I wanted to be a surfer. I was a skateboarder. Hmm. Okay. And I had long hair and a ponytail at a certain point. Right. So I, I came close. Yeah. 
uh, surfing, you can surf on the, basically that takes place on the East Coast, right? Yeah. Side of Florida. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been to the. That's where I do my surfing. <laughs> east, east side. Why are you Ed, you're rolling today, brother. <laughs> you're rolling. Uh, all right. So uh, uh, what, what, is, what do you do there at the, uh, uh, at the Florida Family Policy Council? So we are one of 40 state-based policy organizations around the country. Um, and we were originally birthed by Focus on the Family and Dr. Dobson back in the day. We're all now separate. We're separate entities, separate boards, separate fundraising. Uh, but we're some of the key pro-family groups in our respective states fighting in the legislature. Yeah. You do a lot of what we do nationally. You do it on a statewide That's level. right. That's right. Uh, in terms of standing for uh, Christian values and, and pro-life, pro-family, and all the, uh, and those 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 values. <clears throat> so uh, you've been doing that how long? 18 years now. Yep. 18 years. Now, in addition to that, you, uh, you're the founder of trail life, right? We've had you on many times about that. Uh, tell folks what trail life is and how it's going. So trail life USA is a Christian scouting movement with 900 troops in all 50 States. Um, really remarkable led by Mark Hancock, our executive director. We have a full-time staff in South Carolina. But when the Boy Scouts started going off left field years ago, about 10 years ago now, in 2000. Especially with the homosexual issue, right? Yeah, that was where it started. Yeah. Now, it's so crazy now, they've even removed the name Boy. It's Scouts BSA. Mm -hmm. So they've neutered the very essence of who they were, a boy-centered. Seriously? They've taken the word boys out? Because they started allowing girls. the The flagship scouting program, the one we know with troops and camping and scouting all that it's called my dad scout. was an eagle scout you were an eagle yep, scout yep. yeah it's called scouts bsa so they've ripped <laughs> they've ripped the word boy out from under them so the very essence of who they were they've now denied it so that ridiculous gir- so that girls and transgenders and anyone has a gender uh, not non-binary situation so that, in your view they were it. irredeemable so you you helped form a uh, alternative organization which held up the traditional scouting values that's right and, and so that's right well, if people want to uh, find out more about that, maybe they want to start a. Uh, what do you call them? Troops. Uh, we call them troops. Yep. Okay. What uh, and, and what 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 age is eligible? A boys ages five to eighteen. And we even have a program for college past eighteen, but mainly boys five to eighteen. You need a church, and it's not just here's some space. The church has to own and operate the troop. Okay. So eyes on the leaders, so we know who they are, that they're not you know yeah, crazy. Sure. They have to go through youth protection training. Uh, and so it's an extensive, you need at least three men and two women at a minimum to start a troop, uh, in terms of the number of positions. But how many troops do you have nationally? We have about 900 troops in all 50 wow. states. And yeah. you've been going, what, how many years? A little bit, ten, be the 10th year of this and year. And how many, how many, how many kids involved? About 40,000 people, that members. Is, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. How can people read more about this? So traillifeusa.com, uh, uh, traillife. You can find out where a troop is in your area, or you can start a troop, which is very, very valuable to us to be able to start a troop. Uh, uh, I want to ask you, um, we, we tomorrow, by the way, on this program, uh, we are going to play a speech that I heard, you heard too, John, by Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida a couple weeks back when I was at a uh, conference in South Florida. The governor came and spoke in person. And I was really impressed uh, by his comments, and and uh, he, he uh, and, I, and so I got back home and I said, "Wow, you know, uh, I think 
a lot of people would like to hear from Governor DeSantis. Maybe they've heard about him, right? They know he's a potential uh, candidate for president on the Republican side, but they've heard about him, but they've never heard him talk at least extensively about the issues, the things he cares about, things he believes in. And so I called the uh, I called a friend of mine, and I called the governor's office, and uh, got permission to air this speech that we're going to play tomorrow, uninterrupted from ten thirty to eleven o'clock. You know, uh, <clears throat> everybody's heard President Trump for five years, right? Right. So, uh, former president who I have a lot of admiration for for what he did while he was in office. Uh, he is a well known commodity, uh, but governor. And Nikki, Nikki Haley's a pretty well-known commodity. Uh, and so, but the governor, uh, Governor DeSantis, who's also mentioned in those, with those names as, as uh, Republican candidate candidates, it's, it's kind of presumed that the governor will announce fairly soon that he's going to run. <clears throat> but, but I wanted people to be able to hear from him uh, as I did that night. Right. Make your own evaluation. You've known Governor DeSantis how long? Oh, goodness. About five or six years now. Okay, back when he was in Congress? Yep, uh that's right. Okay. And then he he barely eked out a win his first time. Uh, that's right. What, like, that's right. Was that 2018, was it, governor? Out of 8 million votes cast, he won by 30,000 votes. 30,000 votes. Now, he ran for re-election and won by over a million, right? A million? This last time it was a landslide. Yeah, 60-40 or yep. something like that, yep. wasn't it? 60 to 60-40. So... Evidently, uh, the vast majority of Floridians believe that the governor has done a job at least worthy of re-election yep. in the last four years. Uh, I want to know about, and we'll hear more about this tomorrow, but you're, uh, since you, you know, you've know you been dealing with Florida governors for how long? You go back to Jeb Bush days? or Lawton Childs, actually. Yep. Oh, was he, he preceded Bob, Bush? Bob, Gut, Bob Graham. I was student body president when Bob Graham was there. Still. When was this? Like In the 80s. Yeah. Uh, like 1880s or <laughs> I'm just, the vitamins you take. I got enough of this. Man. Oh, yeah, 1980s, Bob Graham. Yep. So Graham and then and then who and then who? Uh, okay, so you had Graham, you had Lawton Childs. You had see Jeb a Democrat, Bush. Childs? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then Jeb Bush, a Republican. Yep. Jeb and Bush. then who? Uh, you had Bob Martinez in there after Childs. Yeah. He was the mayor of Tampa. Um. But basically, Florida has been a fifty-fifty state, right? Uh, what you call a purple state for the well, you, but yes, but we've had Republican governors almost unbroken. Okay, um, okay, so governor. so tri- uh, more red than blue. Yes, uh, statewide. Yes, okay. Um, but now with DeSantis and Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. the Florida senator, um, they have two. You have two senators, the yep. Republican. Rick Scott's Republican. As well. So it's pretty. Re- it's Yep, you, you could call it a red state now. Yep, right. It's right. no longer purple. That's right. Okay, what's uh, in your view? Uh, what is what is the two or three most impressive things about uh, why 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 did Governor Santos win so large uh, margin? This man is a force of nature. I've not seen anything quite like it. Trump comes close, but he's on another level. He's a strategic warrior. Um, Trump might be a street fighter who's unpredictable. They talk about three-dimensional chess. I don't know about all that. But uh, DeSantis is just a calculated uh, street fight. I mean, he, he is he's a warrior. Uh, and that's what he did. He was, in, he was in the Navy, right? He was a JAG officer in the Navy. Um, so he, he's just done some remarkable things. First of all, in COVID, he led. He went by the real science, not the fake science. He really tried to understand 
Not at first, but we didn't know at first. Well, nobody he knew figured it, it out pretty yeah, quick. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He understood that the Constitution doesn't get put on suspension just because you have a what people are calling a pandemic. But he has won over just people groups that no other Republican has ever won over. Black mothers who want to have school choice for their kids, Latinos. I mean, he blew out Miami-Dade County. This How did that happen? Any yeah. People just... <clears throat> Flocked to his leadership. Soccer right? moms. You had both Moms for America and Moms for Liberty burst from his from yeah. his being governor through COVID. Yeah. Um, both those, and those are national groups that came out of Florida. Right. So um, it's been remarkable. And you go you go into like a typical bar, what I would call a Howard Stern voter, who's right, not a, right. not one of us. So they're not going to be listening to our show. Oh, yeah. but the, but they're like, oh yeah, he opened the bars, you know. <laughs> and pastors are saying he opened the churches. Right. So right. he's right. got this wide right. uh, appeal. Sweat, appeal to popularity yeah and he doesn't seem to have a ceiling either he can break into these other groups where i think trump's got a he's got a ceiling you know he's got very loyal supporters and rightfully so so i've never seen anything like this he also took on the cdc just recently had a press conference you're talking about, you're talking about trump or DeSantis? desantis did a press conference had 300 citizens in a zoom box so you saw this giant screen in back then in the middle, he had scientists and experts from COVID all over the world. They did a roundtable, and they went and talked about how Twitter and, and Facebook and social media squelched the truth when credentialed, peer-reviewed research was being brought up, and it wasn't even able to be how they couldn't even speak the truth, how they were fired, how they were discriminated against just for expressing a different viewpoint, that which we now know is true. Uh, and then he announces he's going to create a permanent institution to compete with the CDC. Worldwide, a, 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 a blue-ribbon panel of experts on, on COVID and whatnot. And they're doing their own research since the pharmaceutical companies are not producing the research on the negative effects of the vaccinations. I mean, he's, he is really uh, coming at things from an institutional basis and creating new institutions. I mean, he just <clears throat> fired the Disney Reedy Creek Board and he appointed a whole new board that's going to govern Disney. I mean, he really knows how to lay the axe to the root when it comes to making real change. It's not just cosmetic, but that's going to really make a change in the way things are run. Because that was that was scary, what you just laid out and what Tim was laying out. It, that was scary to have credentialed medical health experts being shoved in a closet and being ignored or deplatformed that's right. or banned from – YouTube or, or Twitter, because they said, listen, you, when you talk about the science, there's more to it than what you're saying. Yeah. Here's another side that we need to discuss. That's scary when those kind of people get ignored. Yep. Uh, talking to John Stenberger, he's uh, up from Orlando. He is general counsel for Florida Family Policy Council. Longtime friend of our ministry, did devotion for our staff this morning and we're just delighted to have, uh, he's a pro-family Christian warrior, and we're delighted to have him in studio with us. I'm Tim with Ed, Chris, and Ray. Ray, did you have a question for John? Uh, John, back on DeSantis just for a moment, and two questions. Do you expect him to declare? I suppose we all do, but do you expect him to declare? And number two, when in the process? How soon do you think he'll officially jump into the race? Well, great question. Um, I have to thread a careful needle here. I do think he's going to run. That's my own opinion. Everything he's doing, he's releasing a book today, actually. Traveling book nationally. Begins. Yeah. Uh, 
book tour begins today. It's his autobiography um, on American Revival. Um, you know, he's obviously in the states that you need to be in. I think that it, it clearly you need be, to fix your microphone. Just yeah. a second, you're fading in and out. So I think clearly, if he's going to announce, it's probably going to be after our legislative session, which is sometime after May. Um, you know, he's we're going to see probably in Florida a heartbeat bill pass. Open carry is is going to pass in some form. We're going to ban transgender surgeries and therapies for minors in Florida. Mm. And so I think these are important legislative policy wins uh, that he needs to have to be able to export you, the rest of the country. You just listed about four or five issues that are set the liberals' hair on fire. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, one of the things that he is getting uh, raked who's, over the coals. Who's he? Uh, Governor DeSantis. One of the things liberals uh, are trying to bash him over is, you know, they claim that he's he's banning or erasing black history. You know what kids are being taught in Florida. Uh, and I've talked about this with Moms for Liberty. For people that miss those stories, does Florida teach black history? So, yes, it's actually required in the statute to teach specific the heroes of, of black history. They go through to teach the history of slavery, how we were emancipated from slavery. All that's required, actually, in the curriculum. What's not required are the tenets of critical race theory, where you're inherently a racist or you're inherently oppressed, the oppressed, the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not allow gender queer theory. Uh, and a lot of that stuff popped up in one of these resources that came up to public schools. And so they said, we're going to enforce the law. The Department of Education flagged it. And they said, no, we're not going to have this in our AP classes. Yeah, this and is so, where the left lies. They lie yeah. and they do it intentionally. Yeah. They, they conflate issues because they want to make Governor DeSantis – or in the case of President Trump, they wanted to, they did this to him too all the time, uh, and to a lot of Republicans. They want to make them look as bad as possible in the public. It doesn't matter what the truth really is. In this yep. case, as you say, John, <clears throat> Black History Month is required to be taught in the state of Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis is not opposed to that at all in any way, shape, or form, and he's made this clear. He can do a much better job of defending it his position than I can. He's, he's very articulate on this and he puts it back in the liberals face, which I enjoy watching. Uh, but he, he, but what he's not, what, what, uh, Kamala Harris, vice president, Joe Biden, when he's having a good day, he, what they do is they say, because DeSantis, excuse me, uh, opposes certain aspects of, of this, like critical race theory, Therefore, he is against black history being taught. I think Kamala Harris said he's against slavery being taught in the school, in the, that that ever happened. That's, that's a lie. But they do that on purpose yep. to try to make him look as bad as possible uh, because they know he's a very, he could be a very formidable candidate for them to face if he wins the Republican nomination. And so they want to get on board early with the racist card against uh, yep. Governor Sanchez. Good question. Uh, Chris. Uh, anyway, so uh, y- y- you think a heart bill bill, a heartbeat bill will pass in the state of Florida? I do. Yep. Okay. Right now it's a 15 week. It, that's right. right. Yep. Well, John, thanks brother. Uh, uh, you can go back to the governor's office and tell him that the Wildman family uh, spends a lot of money in your state on vacation. <laughs> uh, as do a lot of people listening to me right now. Because yep. we go to Destin and, and Fort Walton in that area. A lot of people uh, 
do do, do enjoy the beaches everybody, there. Everybody ends up in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful state, no question about it. And uh, thank you, brother, for dropping by. We sure. appreciate it. That's uh, John Stenberger uh, from the uh, – by the way, what's your website? People want to check it out. FLfamily.org, FLfamily.org. And for okay. Trail Life, the Christian Scouting Movement for Boys 5 to 18, TrailLifeUSA.com. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, Christopher, what is your next topic to bring forth unto us? Well, uh, John mentioned that Florida may be uh, moving in the direction of uh, some other states that are looking to ban uh, the gender manipulation of minors. Here in the great state of Mississippi later today, Governor Tate Reeves plans to sign a bill that bans uh, the gender manipulation of minors. Uh, in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Governor Reeves uh, said weeks ago that he would move in this direction. And I've got a couple of sound bites from Governor Reeves and another uh, legislator here. Let's begin with this one. It's Governor Reeves saying weeks ago he would sign this bill. Clip five. Mississippi must do everything in our power to counter those who want to push their experiments on our kids. Now, people since the state of the state uh, have lobbied the governor not to sign this, to veto it, in fact, saying, you know, it's preventing kids from being their true selves and it's it's discriminatory and it's going to hurt families and stuff like that. Uh, But Speaker Philip Gunn, who really worked to get this through the House, said, look, we already have age limits for minors in Mississippi on a whole host of areas. And he gave me a few examples here. Clip six. We put an age before they can buy alcohol or smoke cigarettes. We put an age on when they can get married, uh, when they can drive a car, getting tattooed. That's another one. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of decisions that we do not allow children to make until they are of age and able to make more mature decisions. So, you know, Mississippi today, Florida, perhaps in the next few weeks. I can tell you the other states that have moved in this direction already include Utah and South Dakota. Governor Nome signed that bill earlier this month or late in January. Tennessee, Alabama and Arkansas and Tennessee, yes. So this is going to be the new thing with a lot of states this year. If your state has not moved in this direction, people want your state and to I move. I think in we this said direction. yesterday that t- some 27 states mm-hmm. have these kinds of bills that uh, specify the position of most people on yeah. transgender. Last year, it was uh, legislation banning a biological male from competing against female athletes. Uh, this year, it, it seems to be, you know, we're not going to allow you to surgically alter or medically alter a, a young person's body. I call that mutilation. I mean, or it is. It's, it is mutilation. It is. Yeah, the media often refers to it as, quote, gender-affirming care. Uh, but Fred has, you know, uh, referred to it uh, on our website and on our air as gender manipulation or, Ray, you know, mutilation. It, Ray, it has been refreshing to me to see that there's been a response from not just the conservative side, but from the general public against this promotion of uh, transgenderism. Well, you use the word mutilation, and that's what it is. That's what's happening to our kids. Our kids are being attacked. They're being destroyed. Little boys and little girls who are being given confusing messages. They're being – what is being done in the name of science, in the name of medicine, is criminal. And maybe this is one of the differences that people say, what's the difference between a red state and a blue state? Maybe in the red states we're going to finally move to protect our our, uh, our kids from legalized mutilation of their private parts versus the blue states where we turn our backs and we don't want to talk about it. And we say, we say, let those kids find themselves 
look, it's different. If you're 25 and you want that, or 30, and you want that kind of surgery, that's a whole different thing. But when you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, right. all the way up to 17 years old, you want that, uh, there ought to be a law that mm-hmm. prohibits it. So God bless Governor Reeves and, and all these other governors who've come out in favor of stopping, mm-hmm. preventing the <clears throat> mutilation of our children. By the way, did you guys, I sent around the story <clears throat> last night, <clears throat> the uh, Christian school, and yes. that, you have that story? I do. I have it right here. A Christian girls team forfeited their playoff game against another team with a biological male wanting to compete as a female against girls. It's a Daily Mail article. I'll share the link here in a sec. But it's not Where in, Where did you know, it take place? Vermont, of all places. Okay, so you have a, you have a state, uh, I think it's a state basketball tournament. Yes. In the state of Vermont. Yes. And this uh, Christian school, a girls' team, was set to play, and 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 now the state has said no. We're going to let boys, uh, we're going to let boys play on the girls' teams. And those th- that school said this is not fair. It's not right, and we're not going to participate. Is that what happened? You are correct. Mid Vermont Christian. <laughs> I say you're school correct, varsity. sir. Yes, you are correct, sir. Thank you. Mid Vermont Christian School varsity <laughs> basketball team. They said it jeopardized the fairness of the game. We're not going to do it. Was that a? Was that a? You may not know this. Was that a single elimination tournament? So this team, yeah, most state tournaments are. Okay, so it wasn't a round sure. round robin. So in other words, they basically right. They forfeited forfeited they, their opportunity to play wow. in the tournament. Yes, took a stand. Yeah, wow. uh, and we posted this story on our Facebook page, Today's Issues Facebook page. That story we're just talking about with this is uh, maybe we can get the, this somebody on from that school. I I really admired them because you're right, Ed. They sacrificed their opportunity to play in the state tournament because they said, you, we're, "This is not right. It's not fair, and we're not going to we're going to go pretend like it is." Right. You know, there are very few sports that I can think of. Well, all sports, but uh, basketball. Hmm. You got you got a dude out there who says he's a girl, right? Playing against girls uh, in basketball not going to end well anyway. No, that's just. How un- that's terribly unfair. It's also illegal because it's a violation of Title yeah. IX. Yeah. All right, we'll be back momentarily with more of today's issues on AFR. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.